Hello and welcome to the Desk Renegade podcast. Come and join us while we have a coffee and a bit of a mastermind as we chat about how we run our businesses from our laptops, essentially. (laughs) So we talk about automation, growth, and how we manage our lives. Hopefully it'll be a bit useful to you, but come in, sit down, grab yourself a cup of coffee and join in. So what I was thinking is... Well, this is a business-focused podcast. I'm Ian, I run Autos Business Finance and we are a commercial finance broker. I'm Paul, I run a document shredding company called Waste Paper Solutions. And I'm Alex, the MD of Blue Arrow Accounting. What are we talking about? Uh, the three core, you had three questions, which was um, three things uh, that you have learned in in business or wish you knew at the start of business or something you would tell yourself now? I think to all these people who are now listening. So um, about kind of the ups and downs of working in the commercial fields and between us three, uh, when we've been having our chats and goals and everything like that. So I thought for the beginning of the podcast and for the beginning session, we'll actually think about beginnings. Demands a little bit different. I've kind of um, taken the angle that uh, of stuff I've learned along the way, but necess- wouldn't necessarily tell myself in the start because I think it was a process that I had to go through to be able to get to where I am. And some of the stuff is not necessary, um, not necessarily possible to put in play at the start. So, for example, um, one of the things I've learned the hard way is automating and outsourcing. Um, wherever possible. So that's something that's only really come up in the last year as my business has grown and I've um, diversified into other stuff is that I find myself the whole day was taken up doing um, accounting, admin, etc. and it feels really busy. But at the end of the day, you haven't actually done anything. Um, but in the early days, there's no way I could have afforded to outsource any of that. So I had to do it by necessity. So it's then... Uh, to me, it, I would have liked to have gone back and pinpointed the time when I could have changed over instead of just doing it like that all the time because that's what I've always done and then learning the hard way that actually I was getting burnt out and stressed and uh, not earning as much money or growing a business as quickly as I could. But I reached a plateau in where the business could get to because there was only so much time I could put into growing the business because I was continuing to do everything myself. Do you think, because that's a really hard thing, isn't it, knowing when to... I suppose invest in things like outsourcing because I've I did exactly the same thing. You, you're you're burning yourself out at working and slogging hours, which you're meant to do. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't put blood, sweat, and tears into a business. But you've <clears> got to be smart about it. So, do you think there's a way that if you're going to look back and go, okay, now you're just slogging for the sake of slogging, rather than like what at what point do you think you could say to someone now you've got to really you've got to cut yourself back and invest in some outsourcing i think it's really difficult um without having somebody to look at it from the outside you have to take yourself out of the business every day and look at it so now um 
for example, in the early days, you'd almost need a crystal ball to be able to see when you would be able to do that. So you either need to be very savvy at the start and set your financial goals to when you've reached a certain amount of business or turnover that you can then afford to bring somebody on to do it. But then it's very difficult because when you get to that point, then priorities change, parameters are moved, and you can then put that money that you're earning into other factors of the business that are still there that you can still it's very difficult for me as a control thing to still want mm-hmm. to do everything for your business. That's one angle. Um, but also it's the guilt of thinking, well, I can do it. I don't need to pay somebody to do it. You know, I don't want to waste money doing this that I can do myself. But then actually day after day, week after week, month after month, you work out that all you're doing is just keeping yourself busy and you've created a job for yourself rather than, <laughs> yeah. rather, rather than, rather than running a business. I think it's important as well that you, you, to grow, you have to leverage your time. You have to be able to earn, you know, you have to be able to invest in people, invest in them and training them and and in return for that, they will generate a return for you. That's the only way you can really grow. Yeah, I agree. You've done both sides. You've gone scale and you've you've downscaled as well. Yeah. In terms of, so which, what do you think in terms of how do you know which is right? (laughs) Well, it's driven by money, I think, primarily. It's when you can, you know, I, I was, I grew before 2009 and then shrunk rapidly in 2009, but survived and, and did okay. And actually at the time I was quite happy because I was suddenly, I had a lifestyle business where I got to spend time with my family and, mm. you know, move locally and all of that. And, and that was great. And that had its advantages. But then after a few years, it was very obvious that it was never going to, I was never going to grow or never going to go back to the dizzy heights of 2008 <laughs> without, without investing in people. And then, and then sort of that's been a bit of a struggle, really, uh, because it's finding the right people. I think that's essential. You've got to find the right people. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you've got to be prepared to, to, to pay them what they're worth and invest time. I think that's the biggest thing is investing time in training someone to do something. You know? And especially, as, as you were saying before, about needing to, you know, giving up control almost. You do something in a certain way and then get someone to come along and they're going to try and do it differently or, you know... <clears throat> Yeah, it's quite hard. Quite well, I think in um, in any business, there are always jobs that, that you can outsource that you don't have to spend time finding staff, interviewing and training. Um, because there's always a lot of information on, you know, there's, there's resources for starting up on your own and there's resources for how to look after staff and make sure you get the right staff and everything like that. But there's mm-hmm. the bit in the middle which tends to get missed. <clears throat> and you don't necessarily have to um, source staff, which is quite daunting. But there are, for example, the accounts. I mean, I I did we did all our accounts as a company, whether it was myself or people working part time for me doing admin, doing our accounts, spending wasting so much time doing all that kind of stuff. And now we have a proper accounting firm, Alex, to do it, which is you know, there are some jobs that it doesn't make sense to do yeah, yourself. It's good. not necessarily about hiring on your own staff and paying somebody, which you may not necessarily be in a position to do, or you don't have you don't have the time. Sometimes it, that is a very long winded process. Yeah. Um, but just to be able to outsource all the um, and I mean this with respect, the menial jobs in your business, and I don't, I don't mean it that you do a menial <laughs> job, but in, in, in the, the, the bare bones day to day. The specialist stuff, they they can actually do, um, you have to value your time. And that's one of the most difficult things. That's that's where the pivot point comes in a business is when you start a business, if you start from scratch anyway, I'm not starting from, you know, talking about buying a franchise or coming in with a lot of investment. But if you start from scratch, um, you know, on a shoestring budget, 
um, with no idea and no money, then there is a pivot point where you have to put a value on your time and your time is no longer just putting all the foundations in place to run a business. You need to then step back from it once you've done that, outsource the stuff that you can um, and put an hourly rate on your time and decide that actually what's your time valued at in the company you know if, if you're spending four hours doing your accounting every every day but you can you know outsource that for a figure a month and divide that by the time you're spending you know i think it worked out for us that it was like eight pounds or ten pounds an hour and that's what you're putting a value on your time um so you're you're paying yourself minimum wage to run a business that yeah and that i think if i was going <clears> to <throat> say what was one of the main lessons i learned from starting up is that yeah you need to you know I know that I can get easily distracted I definitely suffer from shiny object syndrome um but it's um but yeah valuing my time and actually going this is not worth me doing this someone else could do this um right now my time is more valuable spent elsewhere but interesting you're saying about time and the hourly rate because that's another thing you're saying about like lifestyle business and I think that was another issue. Time became very constrained for me, um, obviously having kids and things like that. But it was one of those um, things where actually we're trying to move away now from costing my time. Although my time is really valuable or our time in the business is really valuable, we're now trying to move away from any time-based kind of value and actually put a value on the work we do. And how do you, how do you work that out? How do you work that out? <coughs> Well, I mean, it's it's a very there's a I mean, it's quite the pricing process is really, really been a difficult thing to get your head around because so we are absolutely orientated between your hourly wage or your or oh it's this much per hour. Um, I mean, in your job, it's quite hard, I imagine, because you, you can you can bill someone for the hour you spend on their accounts, but. How do you then, if they ring up and ask you a question or how do you you identify the other stuff? You might find some clients you're thinking, great, we're generating all this revenue, but actually when you look at it, it might not be as as profitable as you you would think. But but then that's what you do as well, isn't it? I mean, you you can spend ages on phone calls and dealing with documents and things and you're not costing that per hour. Well, the the document side of things is is included in the cost. Because obviously we we quote, we get... what I do is try and generate opportunities for people looking for finance. When I get an opportunity, I quote on it. If I then win the business, then I'm earning money off the back of it. But so much of what I do doesn't earn anything. You're correct. You know, probably in excess of 80% of my time is spent just trying mm. to generate revenue. Um, I think it's fine to have that kind of volume of stuff as long as that is um, uh, factored in yeah. to, to what you're earning. So but the other thing if is you've got... The other thing with the commission is the fact that, you know, someone might look at a transaction and say, oh, he's earning £300 for doing that deal. That seems like a lot. But you're not paying £300 for me to just process that deal. You're paying £300 for the 20 years of experience in my industry, the relationships with the funders, the knowledge of how that's going to happen, the fact that I'm going to transact that really well and, and make sure that the supplier gets paid quickly and the end user knows all the details and everything else. Yeah. That's what it's very hard to justify to someone. To and your that. overheads and, you yeah. know, yeah. all of that, all you know, of that. stuff that... You know, someone doesn't say, oh, that's very quick. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, and it's like, you and know. that's with you, I guess you get that as well. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is that when we're doing hourly, it, it makes more sense because it's low risk. 
yeah. but actually it doesn't work out in the long run because you as you say it's 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 a bit bitty you have to be very so you have to be quite strict about well for instance you will do an annual account so that's an annual job mm. and regardless of how many hours go into it that's a service-based job so we we're kind of like okay well what if we approached everything like that mm. um so not just it's a set fee to get the outcome, a bit like you. It's a set fee for an outcome, mm. not just for the work you put into it. <clears throat> and, and yet again, the better you get at something, the more um, intelligent you are, the more experienced you are. Mm. Then, of course, you're, you're really earning that value yeah. later on. But how do you find it? Because you, you, you don't have a perceived... It's difficult for someone to work out what the cost is of your service, what you do. Yeah, so obviously um, I run a confidential waste shredding service and we do an online um, service where people can go and buy a shred pack, have it posted out, and then that includes a collection to take away all their waste um, for confidential shredding. And what it's difficult because when you initially price it out, you price on... Um, the obvious factors like where they're located, how far it will take to get to them, how long it takes, the fuel involved in driving there, the labour, um, not necessarily the labour because in, in the first instance I used to do, I used to drive around and do all the collections so I wouldn't value my time in that. So um, if we charge somebody 50 quid and they live 10 miles away, um, you know, you can quite easily put in the obvious cost factors into that. So it cost £3.50 in diesel, it'll take an hour's worth of time and, all, and that seems like it's a pretty profitable way um, to run a business because there's very little overheads um, and, and you can go out and make money. But actually, once you start to um, put systems in place, and this goes back to automating everything, putting systems in place, you see that not every transaction is as straightforward as that. So you have to take into account winning the business um, then also the cost of the vehicle, the cost of maintaining the vehicle, because it's not just three pound fifty in diesel. You're having to pay to have that van, to have it sign written, to have it serviced, the depreciation, the uniform you're wearing to go out and collect it. All those things. Um, the bacon roll. <laughs> exactly. The, the yeah. Coffee. So everything that you that that comes out of running your day to day business has to be cost factored. So then. It's no longer just driving out somebody to collect something. You, you, then you've got, you know, then we developed a product. So then you you send out the bags to the customer. So we've streamlined the products and everything to get it down as cost effective as possible to increase the profit margin. Um, but then with every job, there's always an element of aftercare, pre-care. So ringing up people, make sure that they know everything. So all that sort of time that goes amiss, and those are the stuff. Those are the things that when you start to get experienced and, and get further along the line in business and you're analysing how much money you're actually making, um, those are things you need to take into consideration. So you start with a baseline figure, you put the costing in for that job and then actually what you need to do is record everything that happens. So, you know, we know now that there's always at least one or two phone calls with every single customer um, for every job. And if you're only taking half a dozen jobs in the first instance just to get the business off the ground, that doesn't seem like anything. But all of a sudden, when you're dealing with three, four hundred customers and you have to do that for every single one, can you now automate that? Can you send that through to a, a call handling center that can pick up those calls and stop wasting your time on it and you can brief them? So every little thing that comes in, um, we record and, and, and try to automate as much as possible. So on every job, there'll be an element of, of, of 
you know lost time on it. But if you can mop up all the all the things that you can automate, then that's when you maximise your profit. But there's there's something. So okay, when you were starting out or at the very beginning, were you as aware of metrics like that, keeping an eye on the numbers or no like idea. phone calls? You had no. no idea. You had to learn it as you go. Would that be something you no. tell yourself now? I was doing what I did before for for another company, and then I went to do it myself. So yeah, I was aware. I mean, when we first started, it was you know we made a hundred calls a day or whatever it was, and for those you would get ten good conversations and one potential deal, and that was kind of you know it was easy. The more calls you made, the more potential deals you got, and and um, and that's what we sort of targeted people on. So that was easy to do, um, and that just and and when you're doing it for yourself, you work so much harder. Mm. You know, you, when it's yours. But the one thing I do remember from when I first started was just the amount of time the amount of also the amount of efficiency i think your efficiency changes because when you work for someone else it's easy to be distracted or we're all shiny thing people aren't we Ooh, um, I, think, I think you have to be sometimes when you're like doing things yourself yeah but but what i find is now in my day i don't faff do you know what i mean i come in and i do what i need to get done um because i know that if i get it done and, and it's all done for the day then i can do something that um you know it's, Spend time with my family, or, or are you eating your veggies before you get get so you can have your pudding later? Basically, yeah. Although you know, I quite like vegetables. I, I enjoy what I do. It's not. It's not yeah. so much that. It's just that I probably enjoy the other stuff more. And I think yeah. it's important. I think speaking to people, um, you know, especially really successful people in the past, I think they their biggest regret or concern has always been the, the life balance. You know, the fact yeah. that, you know, they, they haven't spent enough time with the family or they missed out on certain things because they work ridiculously long hours. Yeah, and that is the thing, isn't it? I mean, I think that's what we're all about here is being able to be there when we're needed and when we want to be as yeah. well. Um, it's a very knife-edge balance, though, because we had the conversation the other day about it going the other way yeah. um, in that I was, you know, going to my daughter's nativity and um, there were guys there that it, they'd had two kids in the school that were seven and eight years old, and it's the first time they'd ever been to an activity. And, um, you know, they, they never get to take their kids to school, and I initially felt privileged that I was able to do that. But then I kind of come away with it, analysing it, like, as they, step, as they stepped into their £70,000 car and yeah, yeah. <laughs> going on to their well, million pound house. And I know one of them personally, and he's got a lovely detached house that's really, you know, and we're not putting a material value on your yeah. life, but they are where they want to be. And growing a business, you have to be also ruthless with your time. Yes, You have to have a balance, but the balance is always focused. When, when I see podcasts and articles on this, it's always focused on railing back on work, making sure you have time for the family because that's important. Absolutely, that's the most important. It's the reason we do it. There's no point in working if you don't have that behind you. But you can go too far the other way and you can make excuses when you work for yourself that you don't have to be in the office, you don't have to be working. Mm. I get to take my daughter to school every day, which I absolutely love. But actually, that eats a huge portion of time into my productiveness in the business. And from January 2020, my resolution is going to be more ruthless with my time and cut out the things. I was chatting to one of the dads recently um, at Swimming, brilliantly, and he worked, he's a lawyer for HSBC, and he was saying they now have a four-hour window scheduled into their working week of downtime. Amazing. So they literally, they have to take four hours a week and just do nothing. Consecutively? Right. Yeah, four hours every week. 
<clears throat> yeah. So, but he, it, you know, it's time to spend thinking. And, uh, you know, he says it tends to take years on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> but, yeah. he, but he said, actually, I am thinking about work when I do it. You know, I yeah. am thinking about things I'm working on. And, and often, and I mean, you probably agree, often some of the most insightful moments we have as, you know, as people that run our own businesses is when you're walking the dog or when you're, you know, you're waiting somewhere, you're taking a kid somewhere or you're chatting to someone at swimming or a football club or whatever. And one of the dads says, oh, what about this? Well, have you tried that? And this, wow. And actually those are often the most beneficial things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree because it is when I'm, I, I need to visualise things and I literally, I'll see how I, what I want the outcome to be. So even if it's in five years time or next year or next month or this week, what do I want? And I have to see it happen in my head, like how it's going to play out, literally visualise every element of it. And it's only when I do that I can see how it's going to happen and work backwards. Yeah. And but to get that headspace, because otherwise you've got so much stuff going on. Um, I, I yeah, going out, taking the dogs for a walk, just getting so like even just you know having a long bath or something like that. But you just <laughs> not having anything else. I'm not going suggesting on. you should film me for that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but it's it's. It's one of those things where you have to have that headspace. And I, I think one of my lessons as well is actually I always I feel guilty if I'm not multitasking mm -hmm. at any given point. Like if I go out and take the dogs out and I'm not listening to a podcast mm -hmm. or I'm not thinking about my to do list. Um, if I'm cooking and not learning something at the same time, if I'm not. And actually there was an element of a, like years ago, like 10 seven years ago or something when multitasking was the really big thing mm. um and you know make use of your maximize your time do two things at once that kind of thing and that's fine but actually I think the last two years I've really noticed the value of being present mm -hmm. like 100% in the moment focused and present and actually I find that really hard if I get knocked out of my focus my main issue is how do I get back into that focus so even like if I get um people asking questions like in the office or like uh, you know can I ask you this or um the phone rings or something like that and and that kind of snaps me out of the zone and I find it really hard to get in the zone so if you have any ideas about how you get in the zone <laughs> I actually I went and sat in a cafe for an afternoon the other day I got so much work done and I was thinking Oh, <laughs> uh, you have to schedule that time. Yeah, uh, I take advantage of if I have to go out in a van one day and I'm out and I've got a half a day rather than come back here, um, I will take my laptop with me and I'll go and sit in a coffee shop or I'll go and sit in Frankie and Benny's in Tunbridge Wells where there's a bit of music. There's um, Frankie just, and Benny's, eh? Yeah, Ooh. nice. It's great. I can sit there. It's free Wi-Fi. Um, I have a coffee. Uh, I'm friendly with all the people that work in there to the point where we can have a little hello and a conversation, but it's not interrupting my work. And I can sit there and it's not work, it's not family, it's not where I live, but it, you can switch off. And it's amazing the difference. That it, that it, and also there's no distraction because there's nothing of mine there. So I can't sit there and just look at something or read through a magazine or start yeah. tidying my desk or play with the kids or do the washing or whatever you would do if you're working from home or from an office. Um, so that's a really good thing. I think you need to schedule in that time because although it seems like it's a bit, um, it's the kind of woolly part of your day where you switch off and, and that seem, that's least prioritised out of everything you have to do. If you don't schedule it in, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Or it happens, but it happens under pressure, and then it's not the same thing. Mm. So, um, and I think that having kids, we're all parents of young children, 
really helps to focus that with running a business because if you try to multitask when you have kids, you just end up so stressed and burnt out. And if you try to get a three and a five year old to, um, you know, do, do something while you're doing something else, it, it never happens. And all you end up doing is stressing out with your kids because they're not, it's and not gone how you, yeah, how you, <laughs> how you think because you think, right, at 20 past eight, I'll turn to put their shoes on and I'll be able to go upstairs and have a quick wash and get dressed and then come down and they'll be ready to go to school. And then, and then they don't. They throw their shoes in the bin and they tell you that the socks that you put on that they don't want to wear. So you spend 10 minutes doing that and you build a stressful situation for yourself. So, when with having kids, you have to be able to have that time where you just switch off from everything else and just make it about the kids because they need you to be 100% focused on them and you need to be 100% focused on them in order to give them the quality time that they deserve. So what happens is that reflects in your business. You learn that lesson, you come over and you actually like, there's times when you can't just be nose to the desk 100% all the time. You need to take a step back and I have 15 minutes to half an hour, depending, the time isn't always there, but between 5 and 5.30 at the end of the day where I switch off the computer and dim the lights, put a bit of music on or something, and I just sit back and look at what I've achieved through the day from an outsider's point of view. Mm. So actually look at, this goes back to being busy and automating everything, is it's easy if you're doing running day-to-day run-of-the-mill stuff, running the business, is to come home at the end of the day and feel like you've been ultra busy and everything's stressful and you come home and you're all, you know, high-flying and whatever. But you need to evaluate, and I now do this on a daily basis, how noisy your business has been during the day. So I evaluate the business whether it's been noisy or quiet. So when it feels like I've had a busy day, I sit back and look at it. Have I? Has my business made a big bang? Has it been noisy? Have we spoken to people have, have we made people aware of people more customers know who we are now because of what you've put in today have we made a big noise on social media have we interacted with clients either old or new have we really put waste paper solutions out there or has has it been ultra quiet and we've just slipped under the radar and all we've done is been busy running the business all day and not actually stepped up and, and made yourself aware to people and if you don't take that time at the end of the day to step back and look at what you've produced in the day from an outsider's point of view, you don't necessarily see that. You miss it. Mm. I'll tell you what, that's a really good place to wrap up, but I've got one more question for all of you. So, mm. Ian, what was your, um, what would you tell yourself right at the beginning? And then what I'm going to ask you is, we've heard your New Year's resolution, which was, remind me? Uh, to be ruthless. In my to time. be ruthless. And then what's your New Year's resolution? Um, so the two questions are the one thing I tell myself, I think the most important lesson that I would like to have learned better and still now like to have better and I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting with my hands <laughs> is to, to save the tax money is to make an allocation yeah. to put money to one side yeah. um, and for, because um, <clears throat> it's just it's, it makes such, such a stressful end to the year if you yeah. haven't got that money yeah and, and every year is the same yeah and, every and, and some, some years are better than others but you know generally <clears throat> It, it's very, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do, and it's a really important thing to do. It's not your money. That money is not your money. The tax money is not your money, and you have to learn that early and just screw it away because otherwise, you will it will bite you in the neck. And and even 
you know, the most successful business, and it's worse because if you're incredibly successful and you're, you know, made hundreds of thousands of pounds of profit, if you've not got that tax bill, that tax yeah. bill oh, in, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a lot <laughs> it's like, well done, you've made loads of profit. Yeah, <laughs> the, the tax bill comes yeah, your exactly. Not only do you put yourself in a stressful situation, well, it's, but it's a false reading. You but think it's, it's not a stressful business because you, you take the money out. And you spend it personally. Yeah. I've got all this money I've got. This is amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. buy that car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that really nice holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, um, no. Now I'm out. Yeah. It's a really classic, difficult. classic case. It's really difficult. I think, yeah, <clears throat> I think I think having that um, that ability to step outside of the business and plan, that's a... That's a big one, I think. So for me, what does 2020 look like? So your 2020 resolution is saving your tax money. So we saving my tax money, but also um, I think that's my advice to myself, mm. you know, when I'm starting out. But in my 2020, it's been a really tough year for me this year in terms of business. It's down on last year, although the end of this year has been really good. There has been some real positives the last month, this month. I think going into the new year, I've got lots of stuff on the go. I really need to take advantage of that because, as we all know, when you're busy and you get these things are going well, that's the time to get on the phone. That's the time to be because you're positive. And the way you deal with people when you're like that is so much better. You don't, you, you just don't have time to be messed about. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're desperate for business, it's easy because you just you're kidding yourself that you're busy because you're talking to someone who's yeah. grabbing on for ages. Actually, it's a complete waste of time when you're busy. Like, look, mate, I'm sure I can't talk. Let me yeah. give you a call another time. Yeah. So, so my, I think we're in, we're coming into a really interesting time next year. I think a lot of things will be will be resolved and sorted, whether you like it or not. And um, I think there's a real opportunity. Um, I think it could be a very good year next year. So I want to work really, really hard and really, really smart and try and ride that crest of the wave because I, you know, it's what I did a few years ago very, very well, and I want to do that again. My New Year's resolution for 2020 is going to be a bit more planning. I've already planned the first quarter and a half, so I'm almost halfway there for like six months worth of planning, not just in terms of cash flow. And We've got this really great tool at the moment that gives uh, really intuitive cash flow forecasting uh, with zero because we're a zero firm, but also just content, what I want to achieve, what I want my clients to achieve. Um, And I also do training as well. And I'm a workshop facilitator and things. So I have so much content that I can lead into. And really, with the right planning, there isn't a lot that I can't anticipate or uh, make judgments for. So that for me is going to be pure focus on forward planning and execution which is better, it's easier said than done. It's easier to plan it, less easy to actually take action on it. Um, so that's my goal for next year and is to actually make myself uh, to constantly ask the question, is this a valuable uh, decision for me? So um, I can end up being very emotion driven when it comes to uh, my choices because I I care a lot about what I do but that actually can mean that you don't use as much logic you should use emotion with your your decisions but you need to have a heavy a heavy base of logic under there so that's my focus be more logical really ask myself those important questions of is this necessary to my overall goal what is your business resolution 
I'd love to hear it from you. In fact, uh, to let us know what you thought of the podcast, please, we're going to keep doing this. In fact, this is the one before the new year, but in 2020, we really want to get this going. And we've got some great ideas of the next episodes that we're going to have. But if you have any questions for us, then let us know. Uh, you can contact me anyway at alexandra at bluearrowaccounting.co.uk with any questions that you would like us to answer in terms of um, what we have done in our businesses or any of our knowledge at all. But the number one thing I'd like you to do, sorry, two things, two things. So the number one thing is, first of all, follow us, hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you thought of this first episode. That would be great. Get the word out there, especially if you are a fellow desk renegade <laughs> like us. Um, and the second thing is, what is your business resolution for January? So if you are listening to this in the future as well, so at the moment we're recording this in December 2019, and if you were listening to this in the future, think about you don't have to have a New Year's resolution. Your New Year can start at any time. Change starts now. And what is yours going to be? Okay, until next time, we'll speak to you later. Bye.